Yellow friends and listeners, Raya here, and welcome to Smart But Dumb, a podcast where I bring my friends who are smarter than me to tell me something I don't know. Every episode, I'll bring on a friend of mine who is thriving and super knowledgeable about a topic that I know absolutely nothing about, but wish I did. Episodes come out every Wednesday and Friday, so hit subscribe on Smart But Dumb on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please, please, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends to help the pod get out there. You can also follow all podcast updates on Instagram at smartbutdumbpod. For today's episode, I have my super international childhood, now also turned doctor friend, Sarah. Loving the sound of bringing docs on the pod. Sarah is a Georgetown University international relations and pre-med grad, American University of Beirut med school grad, did a bunch of research in between, and is now in her second year at Baylor College of Medicine in obstetrics and gynecology. When we think of sex ed, we typically think of that awkward middle school class with some kind of a banana explanation and a very graphic birthing video, at least from my school experience. But what about what we need to know about sex and our anatomies as adults, as grown-ups? Sarah breaks down important misconceptions surrounding contraception, sexual activity, STDs, for us women and men to better understand our anatomies, because as you'll hear her say in her episode, sex is also so much more than the Kama Sutra and orgasms. So it's time for us to get physical. Let's get to it. Hi, Moves. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. I miss you very much. How are you? Me too. I'm doing good. How are you on the other side of the ocean? Oh, you know, it's it's quite wild over here. A lot of changes happening on a almost second to second basis, but we're staying strong as I'm sure you guys are too over there on the other side of the ocean. For sure. And everything is bigger in Texas. So I have faith. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so just to give the listeners a little bit of context, you and I have known each other for a really long time. We met as probably one of the handful of Lebanese families <laughs> living in Turkey a million years ago. Um, and since you have gone into the field of medicine, which you'll talk a little bit more about, you'll give a little bit of background. And, uh, we were just joking, you know, a couple of weeks ago about how myself included, a lot of people don't know just basic stuff about sex education. I think it's very much limited to things that we learned in school and, you know, how babies were made with this very awkward, like, let's talk about sex, baby, <laughs> video. Do you remember? Yes. And, like, and like the birthing video. And oh, I mean, I'm sure after this whole thing, my parents are going to rethink the whole international school route. Correct. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but so before we get into what we uh, want people to know about sex ed and obviously adults, like this is no middle school shit, like what adults need to know. Why don't you give listeners a little bit of background about yourself and then we can kick off the discussion. For sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. This podcast is legit. I love it. I've learned a lot 
and I've also disseminated to most of the Texans around me. So you're going to become international, my friend. Um, but I thank you. I just want to be famous in Texas, which is already big enough for me. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I um, I was born in the U.S. Uh, Lebanese parents. We've been moving around basically my whole life. So my upbringing was spent in Dubai, Switzerland, Turkey, South Korea, Miami. Then I graduated high school in uh, in Miami and moved to Georgetown for undergrad, where I studied pre med. And international politics. And then I did a year of research uh, in the Centre Hospitalier Universitaire Vaudois in Lausanne, Switzerland. I focused mainly on cell therapy, regenerative cell therapy there. And then I continued to go to medical school in Lebanon the four years after that. And then I uh, did a year of research in ovarian cancer at GW after graduating from medical school. And now it is my second year at uh, Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas in obstetrics and gynecology. So I have lived everywhere. I don't know where I'm from. I don't know what languages I speak. <laughs> so that is who I am. Very happy to be here. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm very on board with your identity crisis. I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's kick off this discussion. Again, this is not primary school sex ed stuff. This is sex ed for adults. Yes. No cherry popping shit here because those days are long gone. For sure. Why don't we talk about... Why do you think sex education beyond just the school stuff is important for women, men and women to have knowledge of yeah. about however you say that? This is a very important question, Daya, and it def definitely does not stop at the middle school, high school phase. Unfortunately, if you ask most women and men around the world, I'm talking developed and underdeveloped countries, most people don't really know much about STDs, contraception, emergency contraception, how to protect yourself. Um, and that is quite alarming because sex is not only about orgasm and Karma Sutra. You know, what I do is none of that, really. It's more, <laughs> I wish I knew, but it's more about, you know, how do I protect my body? How do I know what the right contraceptive pill or me method is for me? What if, how do I know if something is wrong with my body? So, um, I think I'm very happy to be giving this talk because unfortunately, as a human race, we are not well versed in this topic. So uh, being knowledgeable about, uh, you know, sexual functions and sexual education will allow we, will allow us to understand our own anatomy and understand how the human body functions. Why is that important? Because you will if you understand what's going on with your body, then you can understand the implications of sex and unprotected sex. Um, also, a very scary statistic for you is that the rate of adolescent unintended pregnancy is close to 85% in the United States. I mean, That's absurd. Correct. It is quite high and it should not be this high. So sex education will empower the youth and whoever chooses to you know, delve into it, which should literally be every single one of us. It will allow us to make smarter choices. It will allow us when, uh, to know when something is normal or abnormal, when to seek help. And it will also, more importantly, to teach us to learn to protect ourselves and others. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the gynecologist should be a friend of yours. It should not be a scary doctor that you are just mortified at the thought of, you know, uh, 
in, encountering going to yeah not like a correct, dentist correct your gynecologist can literally save your life both for men and women so um yeah that's definitely how i want to start out everything that we're going to talk about today i love that and also that 85 statistic 85 percent statistic that you dropped on <laughs> us made me realize why teen mom was so popular because there was no explanation <laughs> for that it's prior scary. to this. So yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. So why don't we then go into talk about contraception? What are the different forms? What do you recommend for both sexes? Mm-hmm. What's okay. the deal? So first of all, when talking about contraception, I think we all, most of us know both men and women actually should know the different types of contraception. Um, there is, before we talk about long-term contraception, we should talk about something called emergency contraception, also known uh, maybe to you and what I thought was the only form of emergency contraception, which was Plan B, right? You're aware of Plan B? Yes. Right. So, yes, yes. <laughs> not, not out of practice, but out of general knowledge. Correct, yes. correct. Yes. Uh, so... Um, emergency contraception is actually contraception that is used right after unprotected sex, and it serves to decrease the risk of getting pregnant with that sexual act. So there are different types that you can get. Most of them are over-the-counter, like the Plan B. Plan B is literally a one-time pill. It's a progestin pill. Progestin is a a hormone that is secreted in our bodies naturally, and it stabilizes our... um, endometrial lining endometrial lining is in the uterus so it's valid for three days so let's say you have sex and for up to three days after that act you can take this pill and it will delay follicular development so it will delay the form- formulation of a of an egg essentially okay so that is yeah of a future, a future baby. baby correct there are other uh, methods of emergency contraception, but the other two are actually requiring a, uh, a prescription. So there's a, an anti-progestin pill. It's called Ulipristal, and that's actually valid for five days after unprotected sex. It also inhibits and delays ovulation. Um, and then there's the copper IUD, which I will also talk about in a little bit. Yeah, that okay. is a small device that is inserted inside the woman's uterus, um, and it basically... Um, causes thickening and inflammation enough to scar the endometrial lining so that no um, sperm can basically survive in there. And that's valid. Yeah, and that device is really tiny. Like we're oh, talking like thumbs, not even thumb size. It's like thumbnail it's, it's, size. It's literally, no, it is, it's, it's, yeah, it's half your thumb, essentially. Half your thumb. Yeah. So yes. this is emergency okay. yeah. contraception, okay? And why did I preface this talk by saying that men should know too? Because men have to be able to tell their women, you know, if, if something goes wrong during an act, this is what we can do. Both parties should know. Knowledge is key. Yeah. Right. For But not for the copper IUD, because that's also can be a permanent, Correct. not necessarily just an emergency. Excellent point. Yes, okay. exactly. And, that's, and okay. that, I Thank will, you. <laughs> that I will talk about now in my regular contraceptive method. Okay. Copper IUD is also one that can be for long-term purposes. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I wanted to go from... Um, not so effective to the most effective. So for regular contraceptions, I know uh, most people do like the pill. Uh, Most of my friends are on the pill. There's the progesterone only pill, and then there's the one that has combined estrogen and progesterone. So basically these are pills that you have to take every day at approximately the same time. They're made to inhibit ovulation. 
Um, but they are, there are some contraindications to this pill, mainly if you have breast cancer, if you have migraines with um, aura, which means that you have these flashing lights. And if you're a smoker and you're greater than 35 years old, if you have a high blood pressure or a history of clots and stroke, these are all cases for which the pill is not for you. So, yes. Okay. Um, Would you say that's the most popular form of female contraception you is know still it the depends pill? on which most people are now um, actually opting for the long acting reversible contraceptives which i'll talk about in a bit but because the pill as okay. i'm sure um, your friends have told you my friends have told me that they they just they always forget to take it at the right time they sometimes forget to take it all together so it just kind of disrupts their um it's, their routine as a result we'll have we'll get withdrawal bleeding and it's it's just a bit messy well yeah i mean you're barking up the wrong tree because i love the pill and i'm a well, routine good queen for you, girl. And- I was going to say, I was going to say, forget nothing, which is completely false, but that I don't forget. But yes, that's totally, um, no, no, but that's the sentiment with all of my friends too. And I think that just people are, uh, like you said, are just opting for other methods. I don't, I, yeah, methods, exactly. Just with the more options also that are Correct. made available. I, I think that if you do like the pill, it is great. It is 99.7% effective if you take it properly. So there's nothing wrong with taking it. Um, and um, we'll, we'll talk about the side effects of the other contraceptives. But like it works for you, you do it. Honestly, that's the whole point of talking about contraception with your gynecologist. Because there are so many different methods. And there's going to be one that's right for you, you know. So I'm glad you're right. a pill queen. Yeah, Good yeah, for you. Sure. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. I'll, I'll change my Instagram bio right away. There's also the, I don't know if you've heard of this, the Depo Provera shot. It's a three-month injection of just progesterone, which will act the same way as the pill in the sense that it'll stabilize the endometrial lining and not allow, and also delay ovulation. You take it every three months, um, and it has the same... Wow, yes. I've never heard of this. Do you have yes. to go to your gynecologist? Yes, my dear, you to cannot that, get though? this yeah, in the market next to the. <laughs> yeah, I, fi- I figured like I couldn't go to CVS and be like, just prick me no, in the arm. Not at all. Yeah, and I mean, many people um, in the population that I work with here in Texas do opt for that because it's quick. It's a three month coverage, um, but the problem is that it does cause retained. Uh, you, you do retain water and your. Um, your hunger levels do increase whether or not you gain weight is all up to whether you actually fulfill your hunger and you eat and what you eat and the rate of success with this shot is equivalent to a pill so it's not it's not too bad yeah okay yeah that's pretty good no on the contrary Uh, we also have the hormonal patch i don't know if you've heard of that i've heard of the word i honestly just i just didn't even know it was a contraceptive i thought it was mm-hmm. exactly what you just said like yes. something to balance well, you're, hormones you're right about that it actually is given for women that have um failed ovaries that need that estrogen protection because it contains estrogen but okay. um you you can do different formulations there are patches that have only estrogen and patches that have estrogen and the progesterone and depending on the doses you can do you can use a patch that actually works for contraception too and you basically have a patch that you keep on for a week and you change it every week for three weeks and then you have one 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 week where you don't wear a patch and that's when you get your period essentially 
Okay, that makes sense. And just something that I also wanted to ask you when it comes to the pill specifically, and I think a question that we hear a lot is, what's the deal with getting your period yes. whilst so on the pill? So that's a very, very good uh, question and a question that does frustrate a lot of people who are on the pill and don't understand essentially how it works. Um, so basically, you have to remember to take this pill every day. And um, before I tell, before I answer your question, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how it works. It, it prevents ovulation, right? Because it provides extra sure. hormones, the progesterone and estrogen to your body that basically inhibits your ability to ovulate. And only once you stop taking those pills, will your body then react by ovulating. So um, what I would recommend is that you um, start the pill on the first day of your period, um, and that way you won't need additional contraception. So you take it every day the same time, and then there are different formulations. The most common formulation is to take one pill a day that contains the hormone for three weeks, and then the last week you don't take any a uh, hormone-based pill, you'll take a, a, a pill called the placebo pill. It'll usually be a different color. And then once you take that, that's when you'll get your period. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, um, I understand. And then, so okay. Because you, you don't get the hormones. So there's also different types of regimens with the pill. There's some regimens where you have the hormone pill that you take for 24 days, and then you just have the four days of the placebo. And that actually works better for some women because they bleed less. Okay, I see. And then... And then how does it work? Like, for example, in my case, I take three weeks worth and then I don't take any placebo pill because the brand that works for me doesn't have a placebo pill. No, nope. does that have a different Same. kind of effect? Same, if because I a placebo to... pill is oh, no. a, okay. what we say, what we call like a water pill. It has nothing in it. It don't have it is because they like, they, they believe that more women will abide by this pill taking every day at the same time. If you have them take it also during the week where they're not supposed to take it. You know what I mean? So it doesn't affect no, like no. period or anything Correct. like There's that with or without it. a placebo. Some of, okay. them, um, some of them, and they will actually okay. say with iron, they'll contain some iron on them. So even the placebo pill will have extra iron in there. If you have a low hemoglobin count and you'll know that from your doctor, they might just give you a pill with some iron in it. Okay. Yeah. I feel like everybody has a Correct. problem with iron. It's like vitamin D. Yeah. It's like something you always hear about. And do any of the uh, contraceptive methods that you discuss affect chances of conceiving oh, okay, down the line? Yes, that's a very emergency good question. or not. So, uh, no, most um, all of them will uh, will help prevent a pregnancy within the time that you're using them. And after you stop them, whether it's the pill, whether it's the IUD, which I'll get back to talking about, you can get pregnant, but it will take some time for your body's hormones to readjust. So usually I'll tell my patients, like it takes about like three months after you stop the pill um, to be able to get pregnant. And that is if, you know, you are having regular intercourse. Um, and uh, I would also recommend my patients who are trying to get pregnant to also buy ovulation kits. It helps time their um, activities appropriately and completely um, by chance. So I, it is important to note that it does take right. some time to get pregnant after you stop contraception okay and that's still the that's also the case with plan b like i feel like we heard a lot growing up that oh don't take a lot of plan b because then you can't get no pregnant that's, that's down the line is that also that's not a myth because plan b is a one one time um uh in 
basically pill of a high dose hormone that will then be be gone, be out of your system after you take it. So um, it is not going to linger there okay. and cause problems at all. That's a huge myth. I think you just debunked because we, I don't know about you, but I feel like, and we probably talked about this when, you know, we were younger, is that that's something we heard all the time. It's like, oh, never even... Yeah you know go yeah. through that door yeah i mean you have to remember okay. that you should not take uh, hormones left and right because they do have side effects but plan b is progesterone progesterone is much less harmful than estrogen alone um but i also of course i mean if you're if you're having intercourse to the point where you're taking plan b as your form of contraception that is not good it is only supposed to be emergency based and not something that you should be taking long term because it's very okay. high dose so um yeah, yeah. People shouldn't just like rely Correct. on the fact please, that Plan B exists. More uh, other options, which um, I'll I'll talk to you guys about now with the IUDs. Okay, cool. Yeah. Go, so why don't you go ahead and and do that before we move on to some other? I know. Um, I can't you know, my burning okay. questions. Just one more thing about the pill that I'm sure uh, you had asked me about before is if you do miss a pill, you shouldn't worry. You should take that that day's pill the next day uh, along with the pill of that day as well. So this is, um, and then I just wanted to touch on really briefly um, on the um, long-acting reversible contraceptives. So we call them LARCs. Um, they're long-acting because as long as they stay in your body, they will protect you for years against pregnancy. So this is what I would recommend. So just to give you guys just a little synopsis, there was a, um, a project called the Colorado Family Planning Initiative. They provided access to long-acting contraceptive methods at no cost to clients through government-sponsored clinics in Colorado, and they actually found that use of these contraceptive methods decreased the birth rates by 29% and abortion by 34%. So this is a very big deal. Um, I recommend any of the ones that I'm going to mention now to any of you guys. So the first are the IUDs. So like you said, they, yeah, they're very tiny T-shaped um, apparatuses that are smaller about half the size of your thumb they're placed by your gynecologist inside your uterus um, and they last for different periods of time so there's a hormone based one and then there's a copper based one so like you said the copper one can also be used for emergency but it is also a long acting contraceptive the hormone based one basically they they uh, release hormones at a very slow rate um, and some of them last for three years but some last for five years so imagine you place this iud and you are protected for five years pretty cool and you can also exactly. take it and you can also take it out whenever you, you want. Can, like let's say two years down the line you you wanna, you, you know, pop out a bunch of babies, yes, you can just go to your gyno and take it out, babies. right? You take it out and then as soon as you take it out, like I said before, you wait a few months and you can get pregnant. It will not affect um, your your risk of your pregnancy. Um, the Paragard IUD, uh, the one that is the, the copper one, it's called Paragard here in the US, it lasts for ten years. Ten. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. The I a lot of my friends got that in. I know it's it's the Correct. insertion can be quite painful, right? I mean, I've I've went I've gone with a couple of friends who have gotten it done, and yes. they got like the wind knocked out of them. Yes, it's, it's, like it's pretty a, painful, a, right? A pap smear, but it lasts a little bit longer because they do have to place 
a speculum inside the vagina to look at the cervix and then place that uh, the IUD inside. And remember, your cervix is, for most of us who have um, not had a pregnancy or even who have had a pregnancy but in the past, have a, a cervix that might be closed, so they have to open it up a little bit. But this is all done in, in office, and it takes less than Ooh. five minutes. But it can be yeah. uncomfortable. Most of your doctors will tell you to take some uh, anti-inflammatories prior to your appointment. So now that we've talked about uh, making sure that you don't make yes, any there's one involuntary more. There's one babies. Oh, go ahead. There's one last one that's also called a long-acting reversible contraceptive. You probably don't know about it, but it's very popular in the U.S. And it's actually the best contraceptive method ever in the whole world. And it's called, yeah, it's called Nexplanon. It's an implant oh. that goes right under your arm and it lasts for three years. I don't know if you've heard of this. Oh, wait. Okay, so is that the thing that if you move your arm in a certain way, yes. you can like see them? I call it yes, like the device. Like, it's a device it in your it arm. It's placed. That's absurd to me. And that always scared the shit out of me, but I never actually understood yeah, how it, it works so, so i'm glad that you're going to break it down all i do is i i put a little bit of um, a local anesthetic under the skin and then you use this device that basically um uh injects this tiny tiny rod it's like maybe two three centimeters long right under your skin and then that's it it's there you can palpate it all the time and you'd have to take it out after three years the pregnancy rate with this option is less than point point zero five percent that's pretty crazy but i'm also happy to know that yeah, it's that it's low because that device reason. scares me <laughs> but you've but it doesn't seem but, but it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal no, to put in at all. I thought there was minutes. a bigger I think I've ordeal. Placed, that since I started residency, it. I've placed more than 300 of them. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I see. Cool. I didn't even know that was what it yeah. was called. It I didn't even know cheap. that's how easy it was. So that's all great. Okay, so other than the ovulation tracking that you had talked about a little bit earlier, what are the things that you generally recommend to yes, those so that I are looking to get pregnant? I will tell them that they should not put any pressure on themselves, no timeline, you know, no extra planning, because a lot of this does happen uh, when you least expect it. So after stopping your contraception, you have to give your body some time to readjust with the hormones. Um, so usually about three to six months after that is when you can expect to get pregnant. But of course, every woman's body is different. I do suggest that they they try, they have right. regular intercourse um, because that does increase the um, chance of getting pregnant. That's the easiest part. That's the easiest yes, part of, of having a child. Yes. Um, and then they can also buy over-the-counter <laughs> ovulation kits, like I mentioned, which will help time their intercourse. And they should not stress out. They have a whole year to try at their own volition before the doctor intervenes. So we will tell them to come to us if they're unable to get pregnant after one year of trying with, a, with the same partner um, as many times as they can. Okay. I'm sure any person like going into your office or clinic will be like, so what do I need to do? It's like, have Correct. as much sex as possible. It's like, done. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was so, that was great. Best like, advice. See, like, that was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. 
They'd be like, that's all I've wanted yep. to hear my yep. entire Whenever life. You want so that thank to be you. said to you, I'll, I'll be ready <laughs> to give you that advice. <laughs> okay. So something else that I wanted to ask you that I think there are just like a lot of question marks around, uh, both for men and women, uh, is everything related to kind of sexually transmitted diseases we hear herpes chlamydia yeast infections what's the deal around all of that like what do you what are the top takeaways that you think people need yeah, to keep so in mind when it comes again, to very important STDs. topic not many people know about it not many people are getting screened actually so what we recommend is that um people who are sexually active to get annual screening for chlamydia and gonorrhea includes men and women um, because a lot of the times we can carry chlamydia and gonorrhea, both men and women, and not have any symptoms from it. Um, but it, yeah, true. Yeah. But it has actions on our fertility because if we do not treat it, it can have, it can cause infertility. Um, so actually, um, herpes, chlamydia, gonorrhea, they are sexually transmitted and they actually affect women more than men to treat Classic. it. Correct. If I tell you how easy it is, people hopefully will, will want to get tested. So literally, if you are chlamydia positive, I will give you one pill once. That's all you need. Yes. Same with gonorrhea. We'll give you one injection once. That's all. Um, they are transmitted uh, through vaginal secretions and sperm. Um, that is for gonorrhea and chlamydia. And it's very, very, very important to get tested, like I said. So important to the point where now um, obstetricians and gynecologists are allowed to prescribe the partner of a, of a woman who is chlamydia or gonorrhea positive. They're allowed to prescribe her partner with medications without even evaluating that partner. Yes, and also how exactly, easy it is exactly. to treat if you can just um, do that. So, and then uh, yeast infections yeah. are not sexually transmitted. Um, they, it is an infection that is mostly caused by abnormal changes in the acidity and the flora of the, the vaginal canal. So uh, in patients that are diabetic, they're at higher risk of yeast infections, obesity, okay. dry yourself off after the shower, things like that. And those can be very symptomatic. Like you will know if you have a yeast infection, very smelly discharge. Again, the medication for that is also very easy. We can give uh, sometimes a topical cream or just a pill, and that is enough. Okay, and, and what's the deal with UTIs? Really yes, quick, so UTIs like are I, more common in women than men because we have a... <laughs> like the theme of this talk of course classic um, because we have a shorter urethra the urethra <laughs> is that little tube that basically takes all the urine from our bladder out um so after after sex um it is more it's common for us to experience symptoms of uti so i always tell my patients to try to empty their bladder before and after um intercourse and it is also very easy to treat so as soon as you feel burning feeling like you have to rush to the bathroom to pee, like you're peeing more frequently, please go see your doctor. They can give you an array of medications. They can give you a suspension if you don't like to take pills. They can give you a one-time dose versus a three-day dose. There are so many different options, but it is much more common in women. Very important to treat. It's also extremely important to treat in pregnant women because they can develop kidney infections and that can become um, quite dangerous. Right, problematic for the pregnancy. That's correct. Okay. So cut the yes. post-sex snuggle time, go and Correct. pee. Let's avoid that. Okay. Uh, another big one that, you know, we, we hear a lot about, we talk about, we talk a lot about 
is HBV? What is it? Yeah, this is What's probably the, deal the, the vaccine? What are the misconceptions? Actually, no, I don't know. All these questions have been so great, but this is a very, very important. This is a. Why? Oh, thank a, you. <laughs> you're so good at this. Extremely crucial topic. I cannot emphasize this more. Um, HPV, as most of us probably know, it's a virus that can affect both. Well, actually, I don't know if we know this. But yeah. I was gonna say, no, yeah, I well, doubt is, it. Yeah. Like I it's highly a virus doubt that can it. Affect both, and I say this again, both men and women's genital tract and respiratory tract. It can cause simple warts or it can cause cancer. Um, and actually the risk factor to developing HPV is directly related to the number of sexual partners you have. Um, most strains of this virus are benign. So that means that they do not cause life-threatening disease, but there are some that can lead to cancer of the vagina, the vulva, the cervix, the anus, the penis, the oropharyngeal tract, so your throat. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's very important to address. So uh, to oh, just God. as a, I know this might sound terrifying, but I want you to know that most of HPV is cleared by your own immune system within about two years, but in about 10 to 20%, the infections will progress and they can progress to cancer. So what have we done to do that, to, to assess for this and to intervene at an appropriate time? We're, we're doing pap smears. Um, but just to put it in perspective, HPV um, okay. can cause cervical cancer. And cervical cancer is the fourth most common cancer among women. And actually, most cases are linked to HPV infections. Um, uh, so it's, it's, and it's not limited to women. Like I said, it can cause cancer of the penis, of the anus, of the oropharynx. So that applies to men too, right? Um, yeah, so it's, uh, so how is HPV, how do we get HPV? It's not like HIV and STDs, it's actually spread from skin surface to skin surface, so not from um, uh, excretions. Um, if you are, I did not know that. Uh, that's why if you think uh -huh. if you have also, again, for the talk on contraception, if you're wearing, contra if you're using contraception that does not protect you against STDs. Only thing that protects you against STDs and HPV is a condom. Okay, thank God I knew the answer to that because no, I was no, like, is, I really hope condom. it's that because yes, if it's not, so then HPV, you I can have years HPV of learning with a condom, but because it is yeah. spread from skin surface to skin surface. So because this is so common, we do pap smears, right? So please, ladies all around the world, go to your gynecologist and get a pap smear. Pap smears are life-changing. They are cheap. They are so important for your health. That is yes. one thing. Another intervention that um, physicians have um, basically tried to draft into policy is the establishment and implementation of an HPV vaccine. Do you know this vaccine? Yes, you do. Amen. There are different forms yes. of this vaccine, and they're named based on how many strains of HPV they cover. So there's the four-valent the quadrivalent, sorry, which covers four strains, which are the four most harmful strains of the HPV virus that can cause cancer. And then now, most recently, there's the nine valent vaccine. So it covers nine HPV strains that cause both cancer and the warts. They're very safe. And we recommend that we start giving these this vaccine at the age of 11 to 12. Yes, 11 to 12. Despite of sexual activity, it does not matter if they're, wow. you know, hopefully they're not sexually active at that age, but it does not matter. It's to allow your immune system to, to, to use the antigens presented by the virus. So usually um, if they get it at 
below below the age of 15, they only need two doses. But if you get it after the age of 15, it's usually three doses. Okay, yeah. I remember something like that. I got it. Well, good for you. No, it feels like a long time ago. But yeah, I remember something about that. That makes sense. Literally two years ago, they had said that you should only get the vaccine until you're 26 years old. But now new policy um, says that you can even get it up till the age of 45. That is how effective this vaccine is, regardless of your uh, of whether oh, you've had wow. sex before or not. Just because there's so many different strains of HPV out there. Okay, well, so shout proud. out to my mom for literally shoving <laughs> me into a clinic. I'm very. Proud I, I don't of know what honestly, age. Um, being the, like, just get this, this. This vaccine has actually caused a decrease in the rate of HPV-related diseases by 56 percent, um, just in four years. Oh, it works so well. Works. Trial that they just performed in patients that actually have cervical cancer they they um gave these patients in addition to surgery they also gave them the vaccine and they found that the rate of recurrence of cancer of cervical cancer is less in the patients that received the vaccine so that's pretty amazing correct okay so it's made huge strides like it's it's more important than ever okay another thing that i wanted to talk to you about which also i think especially amongst women we talk a lot about because obviously I'm it affects mm-hmm. women is PCOS you know what is it how many people have it what are some misconceptions and PCOS is um there's no firm de- uh, definition definition for it but it is a syndrome that contains a multitude of symptoms mainly centered around uh, a, dis- a disequilibrium in hormones so um, basically you have abnormal hormone hormonal levels that can lead to acne abnormal periods hair growth and infertility um, there are different diagnostic schemes that are centered around the use of ultrasounds to evaluate the ovaries and, and blood tests and the physical exam so basically Ultimately, the important thing is that women with PCOS usually have abnormal periods and they can have, um, uh, they're at risk for infertility. At risk is the important word here. They're not all infertile. Um, Basically, they have abnormalities that don't allow them to ovulate in regular um, monthly time periods like other women do. Um, They're also at higher risk of diabetes, so they're screened for that. Um, But women with PCOS are treated with... um, combined hormonal contraceptive pill so the pill because it allows the pill will allow their hormones to be suppressed and allow for regulation of ovulation so when we start women on on these ocps most of them tend to have normalization of their periods and uh, sometimes some women will actually get a a diabetic medication like metformin and that has also shown in some small trials to actually improve fertility as well. Um, most women that have PCOS are not infertile, okay? But some of them who get infertile because of the disease will be treated with um, harder, hardline medication. They're mostly injections that will completely change their hormonal pattern. Um, but those, those injections are all, of course, FDA approved. They have worked very well. I've seen it in clinic. Um, but these women have to be followed regularly by their gynecologist. And the most effective method right now to treat their hormonal imbalance is the pill. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so it's all of that to say is it's, it is manageable. It's not by any means, you know, a, a huge hindrance as maybe we were 
we were taught to you're, believe you're so or right. understood, it's, it's you know, many moons ago. Needs, you know, it is so common and there's so many different ways for it to manifest. Um, but in any, in all cases, a, a visit from your gynecologist will really help with blood tests to allow how to proceed forward with different hormonal um, regimens and it will be fine. It will all be fine. Well, great. So before I let you go to the listeners, if you have any questions for Sarah, you can DM at smart but dumb pod on Instagram and she'll answer the questions for you. Sarah, just with that, is there any helpful resource to learn more? about everything yes, you touched upon well, today first, if um, anyone if wants to look into it further questions um i would always prefer that you go to your gynecologist or go to a gynecologist um they have everything and they're there for you to talk about whatever issues that you have um both limited to or other than what i've discussed today um the cdc so cdc.gov is a very, very good website that contains more information on contraception, um, the risk factors for uh, developing infections. There's a, a whole section on STDs as well. So I also would recommend that you look at the CDC website. Um, and then um, if you have any specific questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. It was great to be on this show. Perfect. Yeah, great. Like this, let's just not be dumb about this shit. Like, I feel like there's no excuse after a certain point. Like, so that's why I, <laughs> I really wanted to have you on. Love having docs on the pod. So this is great. <laughs> Before I let you go, would you mind just picking a song that you think everybody should know about right now? Okay, I don't know if you've heard this song. I actually don't know what the title is. I think it's um um. Make a cup of coffee for your head. Do you know that song? Cup, cu cup of coffee. I think it's a it's absolutely a very not. very good song. But ju just type, just type, cup of coffee for your head. Yes, <laughs> I will look it up. Don't oh, no. worry. No, you, but look it up. Because you it go actually, and save lives. It, the we'll the do song the has so much meaning, and I'm not going to say anything. I just want people to look it up and um, just be mind blown. Perfect. So I'll link it in the show notes for people to listen. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to Smart But Dumb on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And rate, review. Thanks so much. Thank if you. you